What's up and welcome back Everyday Jesus family as we are continuing our conversation on life and leadership from lessons on Nehemiah. And we're in Nehemiah 8. We see that the wall is finished now. And you know, for a lot of my points today, we're not going to go very deep into Nehemiah 8 because right off the beginning, the very first sentence is the thing that stuck out to me the most. And it says, in the beginning, that all the people gathered as one man. And it made me think about unity and the importance of unity. And it took me straight to Jesus's last prayer in John 17, when it's before he's going to the cross, he's praying for the people who believe. He's praying for the disciples and the people that he's done life with and people who have started walking in the ways of the Lord. And at the very end of his prayer, close to the very end of his prayer, he says, you know, and I just, it's not that I'm only praying for those who believe right now. I'm praying for all of those who will believe. And he knows that it's not only going to be Jews, right? He knows that all who would ever come to believe would be a lot of different types of people, people who look, think, and act differently. And he's praying for all of them who would believe. And his prayer for them is that they would be as one. And the type of oneness that he describes that he hopes that all believers will have is the same kind of closeness, he says, just like you and I are one. Father, Son, right? The Holy Trinity is one. That's a closeness. Like that is a unity that he wants among humans, among all humans who would believe. And when he's praying this, he says, you know, I pray that they would be as one. As we are one, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And this really brings about the heaviness, the heftiness, the weightiness of unity and the importance of unity to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because he's saying, I want the world to know that you sent me here based on the unity among all believers. And it sounds really nice when it just comes off that way initially. But think about the type of love that that requires. And that can bring about our other scripture, right? The world may know that you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. The way that we love each other. And I think sometimes we think about unity in the body of Christ, as you know, I'm pretty unified. Like our, you know, our church is pretty unified. But I think we have to take it back to that John 17. I don't think Jesus's prayer was just that we would be unified with our own denomination (laughs) or the people who look, think, and act like us. You know, I don't think that's the sort of love that is sacrificial, the sort of love that, you know, requires that we bear one another's burdens. I think it's a much more humble type of unity than that. And I want you to think about the spheres of people that you're around, the people who say that they love Jesus, 
do they all look like you? Do they all think exactly like you? Do you guys get in circles and all nod your heads in agreement with the matters of the world? Because I think in order for iron to sharpen iron, there has to be some friction sometimes. There has to be people who don't look like you or think like you. People who love the Lord, but see things maybe a little bit differently because we all carry pieces of his nature and pieces of his character. And so how do we have the type of unity that exists at the beginning of chapter eight of Nehemiah and the kind of unity that Jesus is praying about in 17, John 17? I think it requires a humility in the fact that we don't know it all, that someone else may have the answer, that there may be something in tradition or in culture that we have always believed, that we have always, you know, lived really strongly by that's not actually truth but tradition. You know, it's not really what scripture says, but it's where I grew up because the type of unity that Jesus is praying about, the type of unity that we're going to see in Nehemiah 8 leads to deep reverence for the word that leads to just an awesome awareness of the holiness of the father and the humanness that we are and being in awe of the fact that he reaches out to us. Do you remember that moment in your life when that happened? It's kind of like Isaiah when he sees the vision of God. The first thing he realizes is his unholiness and the Lord's holiness. And so I think that we have to evaluate our circles and our spheres, and we have to invite people who maybe cause friction to the way that we think that make us expand our vision, expand our view so that we don't miss any piece of growth that the Lord wants us to go through, that we don't always just settle for the status quo, that we don't always live in the pride of thinking that I know it all, that I got it right, that the way that I have always read scripture is the way that scripture should be read. And that's another point of the importance of being at church. You know, there's a lot of people, especially after COVID, churches have, you know, really expanded their online content. And I think that there's great purpose in that. You know, I think the Lord definitely um, gave us new tools and new outreach. But I don't think it was that we, the purpose was not that we would stop gathering together. Because gathering together is where we build this unity. And so let's take it back to Nehemiah. It says they all gathered as one. The wall is finished. Think about all the stuff they've gone through together, right? The um, the slandering, the threats, the just the sheer work of working on the wall together. Like that's unifying in itself. But the first thing that they do together as one is they have... Ezra come and read the word. And it is interesting that once he starts reading the word, that it does bring this great awareness of their sin, you know, this type of unified gathering. 
um, makes them aware of the holiness of God. And this is the beauty of our oneness and our coming together and realizing the beauty of God together, being unified in spirit. And they worshiped him. And you keep seeing over and over where they're, they're saying, hey, this is a day of rejoicing, not weeping. But there's something so magnificent in looking at the word with fresh eyes, unified with other believers in all of who God is and the fact that he loves us. And so I just want to encourage you today to seek after that oneness of the body, to evaluate your spheres and let yourself live with a little bit of friction with people who don't look, think, or act like you. Maybe people who vote differently than you. If they say that they love Jesus, they're part of the body and they're part of the prayer from John 17, where he says, I want them to be as one as you and I are one, God, so that the world will know that you sent me. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with some friends. Check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Everyday Jesus Community. And I can't wait to be with you all next time. And until then, just remember, every day, Jesus. Jesus.